0: Soft story classic bringing to you recordings of old storybooks. Sir Gibby, episode 42, Donald's Lodging. Donald had not accompanied Mr. Sclatter and his ward, as he generally styled him, to the city, but continued at the mains until another herd-boy should be found to take his place. All were sorry to part with him, but no one desired to stand in the way of his good fortune by claiming his service to the end of his half-year. It was about a fortnight after Gibby's departure when he found himself free. His last night he spent with his parents on Glashgar, and the next morning set out in the moonlight to join the coach, with some cakes and a bit of fresh butter tied up in a cotton handkerchief. He wept at leaving them, nor was too much excited with the prospect before him to lay up his mother's parting words in his heart, for it is not every son that will not learn of his mother. He who will not goes to the school of Gideon. Those last words of Janet to her Donal were, "New men ye're a winghole, stray a straw dried on its root, but a growin stock at mon looked to corn." When he reached the spot appointed, there already was the cart from the mains with his kist containing all his earthly possessions they did not half feel it and would have tumbled about in the great chest had not the bounty of mistress jean complemented its space with provision a cheese a bag of oatmeal some oat cakes and a pound or two of the best butter in the world for now that he was leaving them a herd boy no more but a and going to be a gentleman it was right to be liberal the box ponderosity was unintelligible to its owner. Having been hoisted, amid the smiles of the passengers, to the mid-region of the roof of the coach, Donald clambered after it, and took, for the first time in his life, his place behind four horses to go softly rushing through the air towards endless liberty. It was to the young poet an hour of glorious birth, in which there seemed nothing too strange, nothing but what should have come. Pondano was not the subject of my story, and I must not spend it upon him. I will only say that his feelings on this grand occasion were the less satisfactory to himself that, not being poet merely, but philosopher as well, he sought to understand them, the mere poet, the man-bird, who would have been content with them in themselves. But if he who is both does not rise above by learning obedience, he will have a fine time of it between them. The streets of the city at length received them with noise and echo. At the coach office Mr. Sclatter stood waiting, welcomed him with dignity rather than kindness, haired a porter with his truck, whom he told where to take the chess, said Sir Gilbert would doubtless call on him the next day, and left him with the porter. It was a cold afternoon, the air half mist, half twilight. Donald followed the rattling, bumping truck over the stones, walking close behind it, almost in the gutter. They made one turning, went a long way through the narrow sometimes crowded, Whitty Hill, and stopped. The man opened a door, returned to the truck, and began to pull the box from it. Donald gave him effective assistance, and they entered with it between them. There was just light enough from a tallow candle, with a wick like a red-hot mushroom, to see what they were in what appeared to Donald a house in most appalling disorder, but was in fact a furniture shop the porter led the way up a dark stair and donald followed with his end of the truck at the top was a large room into which the last of the day glimmered through windows covered with the smoke and dust of years showing this also full of furniture chiefly old a lane through the furniture led through along the room to a door at the other end. To Donald's eyes it looked a dreary place, but when the porter opened the other door he saw a neat little room with a cur- curtained bed, a carpeted floor, a fire burning in the grate, a kettle on the hob, and the table laid for tea. This was like a bit of a palace, for he had never in his life even looked into such a chamber. The porter set down his end of the chest, said, "God not to ye, and walked out, leaving the door open. Knowing nothing about towns and the ways of them, Donald was yet a little surprised that there was nobody to receive him. He approached the fire and sat down to warm himself, taking care not to set his hob-nailed shoes on the grandeur of the little hearth rug. A few moments, and he was startled by a slight noise. As of suppressed laughter, he jumped up. One of the curtains of his bed was strangely agitated. Out leaped Gibbie from behind it and threw his arms about him. "A crad, ye got me sick a flag," said Donald. "But they hae made a gentleman o' oh, ye already," he added, holding him at arm's length and regarding him with wonder and admiration. A notable change had indeed passed upon Gibbie, mere externals considered in that fortnight. He was certainly not so picturesque way as before, yet the alteration was entirely delightful to Donal. Perhaps, he felt it, gave a good hope for the future of his own person. Mrs. Sclatter had had his hair cut, his shirt was of the whitest of linen, his necktie of the richest of black silk, his clothes were of the newest cut and best possible fit, and his boots perfect. The result was altogether even to her satisfaction. In one thing only was she foiled. She could not get him to wear gloves. He had put on a pair but found them so miserably uncomfortable that, in merry wrath, he pulled them off on the way home and threw them. "'The best kid!' exclaimed Mrs. Slatter over the Pearl Bridge. Prudently, fearful of overstraining her influence, she yielded for the present and let him go without." Mr. Sclatter also had hitherto exercised prudence in his demands upon Gibbie, not that he desired anything less than unlimited authority with him, but knowing it would be hard to enforce, he sought to establish it a gradual tightening of the rein a slow encroachment of law upon the realms of disordered license he had never yet refused to do anything he required of him had executed entirely the task as he set him was more than respectful and always ready yet somehow mr sclatter could never feel that the lad was exactly obeying him he thought it over but could not understand it and did not like it for he was fond of authority. Gibby, in fact, did whatever was required of him from his own delight in meeting the wish expressed, not from any sense of duty of obligation to obedience. The minister had no per- perception of what the boy was, and but a very small capacity for appreciating what was best in him, and had a foreboding suspicion that the time would come when they would differ. He had not told him that he was going to meet the coach, but Gibby was glad to learn from Mrs. Splatter that such was his intention, for he preferred meeting Donal at his lodging. He had recognized the place at once, from the minister's mention of it to his wife. Having known the shop and its owner, since ever he could remember himself, he loitered near until he saw Donal arrive, then crept after him, and the—